Let's turn together to number 172 in the Trinity Psalter as we prepare to hear God's word tonight. Number 172, speak, O Lord, as we come to you to receive the food of your holy word. We're going to sing all three verses of this song, number 172. Let's stand together as we sing. Tonight, we turn once again to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We're going to begin our reading tonight at verse 25 and then read through the end of the chapter. First Corinthians chapter 7, beginning at verse 25. What we hear now is God's word. Now concerning the betrothed, 
I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it, for the present form of this world is passing away. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone thinks he is not behaving properly toward his betrothed, if his passions are strong, and it has to be, let him do as he wishes. Let them marry, it is no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity, but having his desire under control, and has determined this in his heart, to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. Yet in my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is. And I think that I too have the Spirit of God. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, we are turning for the fourth time and the last time in this series uh, to chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians. We have seen that the theme of this chapter and the title of our sermon once again tonight is Remain As You Are. We saw that back in verse 17 and 19, only let each person lead the life the Lord has assigned to him, to which God has called him. Keeping the commandments of God, each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. That's echoed again tonight in our, our, our passage, verse 26. In light of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Paul is saying, serve God wherever you are. Whatever circumstance you find yourself in, don't seek to change that in order to serve God more. Serve God right now where you are. If you are married, it's okay to live like you're married. Serve God. 
If you find yourself, because of a conversion, married to an unbeliever, don't seek divorce. Serve God right now. Last time he expanded that, if in your work, your calling, your vocation, you use your gifts and talents for the glory of God. And tonight, he's going to address uh, these things as well, but more particularly, address those who are unmarried. And to them, he will give the same instruction. It's okay to remain as you are. Serve God now. Of all of chapter 7, verses 25 and following are the most difficult to deal with. Uh, They are a difficult section to translate. Uh, Some of you may have noticed that in the reading. You have various footnotes, for example, in verse 25. Now concerning the betrothed, Uh, I have a footnote that says, now concerning virgins, the betrothed are those intending to get married, virgins not necessarily intending to get married, which is Paul talking to? There are translational issues in verses 36 through 38, there's actually a number of alternate readings, there are interpretive issues to deal with, we are not going to deal with all of those this evening. We're going to see that as we look at parts of this text, uh, Paul's overall flow, his overall theme remains the same. It's okay to remain where you are, serve God now. And I've, I've subtitled this, uh, this message, The Christian in Singleness, but as you could tell as we read through, Paul doesn't only address those who are single. Perhaps he, he points them out a couple places, but it is, a, it is a text addressed to all of us. All of us being reminded that, that we are all to serve God in the place he has put us. He begins in verse 25. Now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. So perhaps just a quick reminder, what we talked about, I think, a sermon or two ago. Uh, When Paul says, I have no command from the Lord, that does not mean this is of somehow lesser authority or lesser value. What Paul is saying is the Lord did not teach on this particularly. And since he didn't teach on it, I'm going to teach on it now. It does not have less authority than the rest of Scripture. It is fully authoritative. He speaks to us as an apostle. Now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. What is that present distress that Paul is alluding to. Some suggest that Paul is is telling them that the end, the end of all things, will be coming soon. He picks up some of that language in verse 29 when he says, uh, 29, from now on, no, not 29, yeah, 29, and this is what I mean, brothers, the appointed time has grown very short. Or he says at the end of verse 31, for the present form of this world is passing away. And this has led some to think that he's talking about the end of all things. But but the language Paul uses, the words that Paul uses, aren't, aren't generally used in connection with the end of all things. So I don't believe that's what he is alluding to tonight, that the end of all things is coming. That's that the present distress. Some suggest he's talking about what he believes to be an imminent persecution of the church. 
That's certainly hypothetically possible. But if you look at external evidence, there was no particular persecution going on at this time or shortly after. Now, I would suggest what Paul says when he says, in light of the present distress, he is simply talking about the trials, the hardships that we face in life, the ongoing present difficulties that we have, because there are difficulties in life. He says in verse 30, that those who mourn should live as though they were not mourning. There are are emotional hardships in life. Emotional hardships, they were living in a very difficult culture. It was a difficult place to be. And, and, And there are difficulties emotionally in dealing with life around us. Those difficulties manifest themselves if we are married, and they manifest themselves if we are single. Now, I don't want to in any way suggest that it is easier to be single than to be married. But what I would say is these hardships of life, these emotional traumas, express themselves differently in the singles as they do in the married. Sometimes we we feel like even God has turned his back on us. We read about that in Psalm 66. You've allowed our enemies to ride over us, but you brought me through. When we are single and we go through emotional difficulties, uh, we do that ourselves. We are the ones who are going through the trials and the difficulties, and that's a hard thing. If we are married we go through those trials not only on our own behalf, but on behalf of our spouse. If they are going through a difficult time, that hurts us too. If our children are experiencing difficulties, that hurts us too. There are more hardships. There not more. There are different types of hardships that you face when you're married than when you're single. And so Paul says, if you're single, it's okay to remain as you are to avoid some of these different hardships that are expressed, the emotional distress that we go through. He says in the end of verse 30, that those who buy should act as though they had no goods, financial difficulties, financial hardships. And certainly, that is a trial that every marriage faces, And once again, I do not want to in any way suggest that those who are single have more money than those who are married. That's not Paul's point here. But he's saying those who are single, when they face financial difficulties, it affects them alone. When we face financial difficulties in marriage, it not only affects us, It affects our spouse. It affects our children. Some of you husbands know what that is like. We worry about how we are going to care for our spouses. We worry about how we're going to care for our children. The decisions that we make financially have repercussions for them. Whereas if you are single, you may make bad decisions, but they affect you only. Paul says it's okay to remain single to avoid that other type of hardship, financial difficulties we might express. 
And certainly, as we talked about this morning, the, ten the, the, the tendency toward greed, always wanting more. Now, I'm not saying that those who are single struggle with this more or less than those who are married, but they do struggle with it differently. Those who are married may struggle with, with greed, with wanting more, and perhaps they have a spouse who is fueling that greed. Why can't we have more? Why can't we have a newer car? Why can't we have a longer vacation? Why can't we have a bigger house? Those, those, those things are fueled at times in our marriages. When you are single, you deal with what is in your own heart. Paul says it's okay to remain as you are to avoid some of these different types of hardships. Not that they're easier or harder, but you avoid some hardships by remaining as you are. Now, those are all rather, I guess, maybe negative things to think about in singles remaining as they are. Uh, Paul also talks about the blessings that there are in being single. Verse 32, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. God calls us to an undivided devotion to him. And when we are married, by the very nature of that act, our interests are divided. Not only how we might please the Lord, but also how we might please our spouse. For the singles, their devotion, their desire, may be undivided, may be, may be centered on the Lord himself without external family pressures. He is anxious, Paul says, about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. The married man's anxious about other things, worldly things. But for the single, he is able to focus on how I might best please God. There is a certain sense of, um, of freedom, freedom in terms of ease of movement, ability to travel when you are single, the ability to use your gifts and talents to perhaps serve on a short-term mission trip. Now, for those who are married, to do something like that requires not only uh, getting permission from our employer to go away for a short amount of time, but it involves uh, dealing with uh, who's going to get the kids taken to school, who's going to bring them to piano lessons, who's going to get them to sports practice. There's all kinds of other things as well. When you are single, you have a certain freedom, a certain ability. Your schedule is your own. Yes, you still work and you have to get permission from work, but that's pretty much it. You are free, you are unhindered, by some of these other constraints, free to serve God and undivided service to Him, to secure an undivided devotion to the Lord, Paul says. And we've, we've seen that in our own congregation. Some of our singles are serving elsewhere, serving across the ocean, helping other people. It's, 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 it's an opportunity 
to be of greater service to others, a certain amount of freedom. And with that, with that opportunity for service also comes one of the dangers of being single. And that is so much of your life focuses around you. Uh, you have your place to live, you have your job, you have your car, it all focuses around you. And it's very easy to become self-serving, to do things only in your own self-interest, and to lose, to lose concern for those around you, to miss some of those opportunities for service. And I had the privilege of speaking to the DIG group, I think it was a year or so ago, about some of those opportunities in which we can serve, in which we can serve the church. I want to be, I want to be eminently practical tonight. Uh, one of the ways that we serve in the church uh, when we meet together for worship is we have a, a nursery uh, for the little children. Who often serves in the church nursery? Well, it is often the mothers of those little children. And there's something appropriate about that. But these are the same mothers who have spent the last week uh, wiping the kids' noses, the last week changing their diapers, the last week hearing, to their, hearing their endless questions on and on and on, and now on Sunday they get to come to church and serve in the nursery and not only have their own kids, but a dozen other brats too. Wouldn't it be wonderful to give those mothers a break? As those who are single, you have a huge opportunity to, to volunteer your time. And, and what a wonderful thing it is to, to spend time with these little children, to interact with them. Often, as single adults, we don't have a lot of contact with kids. What a wonderful opportunity for us to serve in the church expressing that undivided devotion to God. I encourage those of you who are single to look for those opportunities. Look for those opportunities to volunteer for, for various mission trips or for different types of service in the church. Look for those opportunities to express your undivided devotion to God. Because as we've seen throughout this chapter, chapter 7, God has called all of us to serve Him where we are. He goes on in verses 36 to 38, a, a difficult passage. We're not going to take uh, time to go through all of that, but he really is expressing the same message. Serve God where you are, remain as you are, and give your service to Him. Because, because we, are, we are serving because God has called us to that service. So he says, he kind of concludes this, if you are married, offer the greatest service to God you have in your marriage context. Offer God service in your home. Offer God service with your spouse. If you are married, it's okay to act as you're married. Serve God that way. If you are single, use the particular gifts, talents, opportunities you have to give God the greatest service that you can in your context. Uh, you have particular freedoms, as I mentioned. And wouldn't it be terrible to say later in life, oh, I wish I would have used those opportunities more fully, that I could have given more undivided service to God. 
He, at the very end of this text, addressed those who's, who have lost a spouse. He addresses widows, those who are older. Uh, they, too, have a service, a service to God. Those who are elderly, those who have lost their spouse. You say, well, what, what can we do for the church? You can hold the church up in prayer. One of the most wonderful areas of service, of ministry, is consistently, diligently praying for the work of the church, praying for the people of the church, holding those up in prayer. This call to service, this call to use all we have for God is a call that comes to all of us. Because that call is rooted in what God has done for us. He calls us to service because he has previously called us to be his children. He has previously called us to be his sons and daughters. He has revealed to us the way of salvation. He has reminded us that although we are sinful, unable to do anything to help ourselves, he sent his son Jesus Christ to give us the greatest gift, the glory of salvation. Christ serves us. God serves us in salvation. He gives us that great blessing. And in response to what he has done, in gratitude for what he has done, we are now called to offer our service to him. God calls out tonight, once again. He calls us to place our faith, our trust in Jesus Christ, to embrace him as Lord and Savior. And as we do that and understand what God has done, we say, now how can I thank God? How can I thank God for this glorious gift? I will do what I can to serve him in the place that he has put me. God says through Paul, remain as you are. If you are married, serve God now. If you are single, serve God now. If you are older, serve God now. If you are younger, serve God now. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him keeping the commandments of God, each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. People of God, it's okay to remain as you are. Where God has placed you, serve God now. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we recognize the different circumstances in which you place each of us. We recognize different things going on in all of our lives. It is so easy for us, O oh God, to use these circumstances as an excuse not to serve you. But you've been instructing us through the Apostle Paul. You've been instructing us that we are called to keep your commandments because of what you have done for us, because of the great gift of salvation. You have called us to remain in the condition in which we find ourselves and to serve you there. So we pray that you would help us, you would strengthen us, you would equip us, whether married, whether single, whether older, whether younger, whether men, whether women, to use the various gifts, the various talents which you have provided. We might show you our love, show you our devotion as we seek to obey your law. Hear us, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen.